Happy Father's Day. Yeah, we had a great Father's Day uh, yesterday at our house. Had all seven grandchildren there, and uh, from four to 16, and just had a great time, you know, and gifts were given, and and it was just great. It was great to be a dad. It's great to be a, a granddad. Uh, Anne uh, gave me an unusual gift for Father's Day. Uh, she gave me an electric toothbrush, and I'm like, so what are you trying to say? You know, but but uh, now it was something uh, that I wanted and something that I uh, that I really appreciate her doing, and she cooked a great meal for us. And she'll be here in a little while. She'll be here for the second service. So uh, to, we're talking about this is my story. This is, I believe, our third installment in this series. Uh, Jamie has done the the first two and gave me the opportunity to share with you this morning. And today we're going to talk, a, a little, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about, uh, this is my story, but we're going to talk about eternal judgment. That's an interesting <laughs> subject, right? And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my personal story. Uh, I'm not going to give the whole thing. It'll, I'm going to save some time uh, to share the word with you. But when I was 17 years old, early March, just before I turned uh, 18, uh, I was walking down the street of uh, Alabaster, Alabama, which is a little community close to Birmingham. And I was with my granddad. And my granddad it was like a, a rock star to me. He, I love that dude. This is Granddad Nunley. And I love my granddad Johnson too. But Granddad Nunley uh, was a, uh, he was a preacher. He was a, he was a pastor. And he actually either founded or rejuvenated 11 churches over the source time of his ministry. And he was a little bitty guy, had bright blue eyes, and uh, he, he, he made you laugh, and he was just, just a great guy to be around. Uh, I can't tell you all about his life, but I can tell you this. He's been shot at in the pulpit. He's gotten been thrown out the window while he was preaching. Uh, he was shot at in the pulpit by some moonshiners that were, he'd been getting people saved. They quit buying the moonshine. So that's another story, but, but, uh, he was, uh, he was quite a little character and I love my granddad. And when I was 11, 12 years old, he used to tell me stories about his ministry and about his, about his life. He was, he was born, gosh, in the late 1800s. Yeah, so just, you know, and, and a lot of his ministry was done during uh, Prohibition years, and, and <clears throat> he, was, he was a great guy. So we're walking down the street. I'm a senior in high school, almost ready to turn 18, and he says, well, boy, what are you going to do with your life since you've, you're about to graduate from high school? And I said, well, Granddaddy, <clears throat> I've got it all figured out. I'm going to go to the University of Alabama. I'm be- going to become an engineer and I'm going to make a pile of money. And he said, he laughed at me. He threw his head back and he laughed at me. You know, kind of stopped in the street and his blue eyes twinkled. And he said, boy, don't you know you're going to preach? And I said, no, sir, that's the last thing I'm going to do. That's the last thing I'm going to do. That, at that time in my life, I wasn't saved. I had joined the church when I was a little boy, when I was eight years old. I'd been baptized. I'd filled out the card, but I didn't have Jesus in my heart. 
And so I didn't, I, I didn't know Jesus. I knew about Jesus. I had him mentally. I knew that he was the son of God. I knew that he had uh, died on the cross. I'd heard that he had been resurrected, but I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I knew about him. So time, time rocked on. I certainly had no uh, intention of becoming uh, a, a preacher of any kind or a pastor, certainly not a pastor. And so I, I got, in, got into college and uh, where I became uh, an outstanding beer drinker and a mediocre student. And, you know, I was a, a party boy. I was a party boy, and <clears throat> but I, something happened to me that was amazing. I met the, one of the most beautiful women that I'd ever seen. Her name was Ann Hokut, and she had uh, beautiful features and a, a really nice figure, and she was like, I mean, I'd like to go out with you. And she was three years younger than me. I asked her out, and she said, absolutely not. And she knew about me, and she knew what I was about, which had nothing to do with her because she was about Jesus and about doing things the right way. And I was anything but that at that time in my life. But she had an influence on me. She had an influence on me. And, and when I was, um, I was 21, just before my 22nd birthday, in my senior year in college, uh, I went to something called a Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship Meeting. It was at the Thomas Jefferson Hotel up in Birmingham. And my father, who was a member of that organization, uh, invited uh, Ann, who I was dating at that time and desperately in love with and didn't know really what to do about it. Um, he invited us to go with him and, and my mom to the meeting, and, and that at that meeting, I heard the story uh, for the first time of the gospel from someone other than a preacher. I heard a businessman share how Jesus was his business partner. And that stuck with me because, I mean, I was just about to graduate from college. You know, actually it was August of that same year and... I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be a good man. Uh, I wanted to uh, to have a wife and and raise a family and and to be just a successful guy. That was that was my goal. But he told me that the, this guy told me that the way you become successful in life is through your relationship with Jesus Christ. He said Jesus was his business partner. I'd never heard anything like that. I mean, I'd been to church every Sunday all of my life, but I'd never, I mean, Jesus was, he was like mom and apple pie and, and Mustang GTs and football and, you know, he was just what you did on Sunday morning. He wasn't a real person. He, he was like, Jesus to me was like George Washington. I knew that George Washington was the first president of our country, but I had never met the man. <laughs> Okay, and I knew that Jesus was God's son and that he had died for my sins, but I'd never met the man. And so that's the way I was. That night, I just unloaded everything at the feet of Jesus. I said, if you want me, I drink too much, I cuss like a sailor. I'm arrogant, I'm proud, 
I'm full of myself. I'm mean. I'm nasty. If you want all that, if that's what you want, then you got me from now on. I made that choice, uh, and I gave my life to the Lord. And that was during uh, Christmas break of my senior year in college. So I, I go back to college after Christmas break is over. My life is radically changed. And I was president of my fraternity. Um, I was one of the top party boys. Like I said, an outstanding beer drinker. And, I mean, these were in the days, um, in the 60s. This is, this is when the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and, and uh, psychedelic music. And I used to wear bell bottoms that were like 18 inches, out, you know, out. They, like, covered, covered my feet, you know. Hip hugger bell bottoms, man, and had my hair was kind of long, you know, and and uh, I was like extremely cool. And <clears throat> when I, but when I got back, when I got back uh, to to the fraternity house and started telling about Jesus and how much Jesus loved them, and I wasn't cussing anymore and didn't want to drink with them anymore and all that, they kicked me out in two weeks, man. They they called a special meeting. And and impeached me. They impeached me, and they got rid of me. And I had to, you know, it was awful. But it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because how many of you know that when you come to Jesus, you have to change your friends? That's right. My mama used to tell me that if you lay down with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. And I had a lot of fleas. And so I had to kind of change the, the folks that I, was, that I was hanging out with. So... Uh, Ann and I, you know, after after I got saved in January, um, uh, in February, uh, we were engaged and we were married. Six months later, I uh, finished school and we got married two two weeks later. And God just really, really began to bless our lives. I, I took a job. First, I, I spent a year in graduate school and decided that wasn't for me. And then we, we moved to Valdosta. I took a job in Valdosta. And with the Georgia Power Company, that was that was my first job uh, out of college, and God began to move in our lives over there. He began to move in our lives. I'd been saved and baptized in the Spirit on the same night, and I was I was fired up about Jesus, and I started working with the Georgia Power Company, and and one of the guys uh, called me into his office one day, and he said, Larry, there's three things that we don't like around here. Uh, we don't like womanizers. We don't like thieves. And we don't like religious fanatics. You need to t- tone it down a little bit. Really, that, that really happened. And, I, of course, I didn't tone it down very much at all. Uh, I was on fire for God, and I, I shared my testimony with basically any anyone that would listen. Made a lot of mistakes, but did some things right. So I didn't get fired from Georgia Power, but I did leave them and went to work for a, a guy that was uh, a real real blessing uh, in in my life. George LaHood. He had a uh, a mechanical business, and so I went to work with George, and it was just good. And what can I say? Life was good. Ann and I were married about five years before we had children, so we had time to get to know one another. We traveled. We did things. One of the trips we took was to a Christian conference up in North Georgia um, that had several speakers, but we, one of the speakers was a guy named Lester Summerall. Some of you older folks my age might remember a guy named Lester Summerall. He probably led a million people to Jesus. 
He probably did. He was an, it was an amazing, amazing man. And so he gave an invitation at the end of one of his talks, and he, he said, if you're willing to go anywhere and do anything that God specifically calls you to do, would you do it? If God calls you specifically to go anywhere and do anything for him, would you be willing to do that? And if you would, I want you to come up here and I'm going to pray for you. So Ann and I, I mean, we walked up front and we caught hands and, and you know, stood up front and he prayed over us. And we made the commitment, Lord, if you'll show us what to do, we'll go anywhere and, we, and we'll do anything. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to get sent to Africa or, or, you know, the Middle East or something like that. But I was serious about that. I was serious about that. But what the Lord did is he sent me to Thomasville instead. I was, <clears throat> at first I was in, uh, you know, I was in Valdosta and we were over there for a few years. And then we wound up here in Thomasville where I worked for a mechanical contracting firm here in Thomasville. And, and I, I did really well. Did really well in, in business. And I was, I was uh, teaching Sunday school and occasionally got to preach some and, and uh, you know, kind of still had some evangelism in me. We had a couple of great sons, uh, Jamie, who's the pastor here at, at VFC, and then our older son, Sam, who's down in, in Tallahassee. Sam is a banker down there. And uh, Sam is also an ordained minister. And it's, it's, it's been good. Our life has been good. But then at the age of 45, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He kind of tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Son, he called me son. I could hear him on the inside talking. And he said, Son, are you going to fulfill the call on your life, or am I going to have to get somebody else to do your work for you? And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And I remembered the Lester Summerall meeting where I said I would go anywhere and do anything that God asked me to do. And I knew God was calling me into ministry. I was 45 years old. I had a really, really good job. I was vice president of this company, and our kids were in private school, and I, got, I was a Christian in the community, and good things were happening. And, and, but then here the Holy Spirit says, are you willing to walk away from that and go into full-time ministry? Well, I prayed and fasted for about three days to make sure that that I was hearing the voice of the Lord. And I talked to Ann and our two sons. They were uh, in, uh, let's see, they would have been in late high school at the time. I talked to them and I said, I believe God's calling me into the ministry. And they said, well, thank God. We, we, something's got to happen to you. You're, you are impossible to live with. So we knew something was going on, that God was dealing with your life. And I said, well, that's, that's what's going on with me. So I said, yes. I said, yes to Jesus. I said yes to going into, into full-time ministry. And, and, you know, I started preaching in the jailhouse. I mean, no one knew who I was. My, my pastor, we were at uh, Morningside Methodist at the time, and my pastor over there, um, Richard Trawick, I talked to him about it, and I said, Richard, I think God's calling me into the ministry. He said, I don't doubt that at all. And I said, well, do you think I ought to be a pastor? He said, Lord God, no. You'd run everybody off in two weeks. You need to be an evangelist. 
You know, because I was just kind of just real black and white and straightforward, and this is the way you do it. And and so those three weeks or three years that I spent as evangelist, there was a lot of breaking that went on in my life and, and, and a lot of um, encouragement from the Lord and a lot of change, and I'm still changing today. I'm, I've mellowed some. Uh, I had a guy prophesy over me one time, and he said, Larry, he said, God wants you to be like a smooth wine. He said, but right now, you're like a shot of whiskey. He said, <clears throat> said I've got to mellow you out and do some things in your life. And so, and so that's happened, and it's still happening. It's still, still happening today. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and that's my story. That's my story. But we're going to talk about the fact that we all get to tell our story Every one of us gets to tell our story. We tell our story while we're on the earth, right? We tell our story by what we do and what we say, but we all get to tell our story to Jesus when we're in eternity. And, you know, eternity is kind of a, a, a hard concept. Eternity is kind of a hard concept. So I, I need some volunteers to, to help me explain what eternity is like. So if I got to have three volunteers, one of them needs to have a little bit of artistic, a little bit of artistic ability. Okay, so if I got to have some volunteers, don't everybody jump at once? Okay, come on, come on up, Trav. Okay, and cut out. Where's my artist? I need someone with a little bit, just a little bit. Not a whole. Thank you, Kathy. Come on up, uh, and Kathy. <clears throat> If you'll bring a pen with you, bring a pen with you. And Trav, if you'll grab that rope that's on the front seat. And if you two guys will stretch the rope out, stretch the rope out. Yeah, you can just bring it right on, stretch it out and bring it right on up on the stage. Okay, that's good. There you go. You don't have to take it all the way out. Yeah, come on up. And Kathy, if you'll please come up. Yeah, there you go. Now, Kathy, if you'll skip rope for us. Not really. Okay, Kathy, if... If you guys will hold the rope up, Kathy, what I want you to do is to put the smallest dot on this rope that you can actually see. You have to be able to see, that you can see, the smallest dot that you can see. Does the pen work? The pen works, okay, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Okay, you got it? Can you see it? Ooh, I see it too. Okay, we got a dot, thank you. Anyone see the dot? No, no one sees the dot. Okay, we're going to imagine for a minute that this rope is an endless highway. It never ends. It goes as far as east is from the west. And this dot that our artist Kathy put on is a grain of sand on an endless highway. And the grain of sand on the endless highway represents our time on earth compared to our time in eternity. A grain of sand on an endless highway. And what we do while we're on the earth not only determines where we spend eternity, but how we spend eternity. Amen? Y'all give them a hand. Thank you. That's it. Thank you, Kathy. You did an especially good job. Yeah, y'all can just roll that up. All right, well, we're going to talk about the fact that we get to, to tell our story. See, every person that's ever lived will stand before Jesus and tell 
their own story of what happened while they were on the earth. And they're actually, uh, these are judgments. These are judgments. Any of you ever been to court? You ever been to court? You heard the, heard the judge make a judgment? Okay. Uh, some judgments could be good, right? They could be in your favor, right? Okay. Some judgments, not so much. They're not so good. Okay. There are two judgments, basically. Some people say there are three. We're going to deal with two this morning. Two, two eternal judgments. One of them is called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. If you'll, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. <clears throat> so whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him, him being Jesus. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we've done in this earthly body. So we all stand before Jesus to receive what we've done in this earthly body. Okay? Daniel chapter 12 you can just, for time's sake, we'll skip that, looking that one up. But that verse talks about resurrection. And it says that everybody is resurrected. It says some uh, to eternal joy and some to eternal judgment. So, see, everyone in the world today is going to face Jesus, the creator, one day. And all of us will get an opportunity to tell our story to him and to be judged by him, to be judged by him. Okay, now you might say at this point, now wait a minute, Brother Larry, I, I'm a Christian. I've accepted Christ and I thought my sins were forgiven. Well, yeah, absolutely, your sins are forgiven. I didn't say he was going to say anything about your sins. What he's going to talk about is what you did for the kingdom of God during your time on the earth. Okay, let's go over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 11. 1 Corinthians three eleven. it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, hay, straw, wood. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. See, each of us that are Christians that have accepted Christ, we're building on the foundation of his lordship in our lives. And he uses this analogy of a builder. If you, if you build a home... And the home, in this case, he talks about um, 
gold and silver and precious stones, something that's lasting and something that, I mean, it's hard to burn up a diamond, right? Or you can't do it. Maybe you could vaporize it if you got the, the temperature high enough. But, uh, I mean, a, a diamond can go through the fire. Okay? But wood and hay and, and stubble, just straw that comes out of the yard like your grass clippings or something, I mean, you set that stuff on fire and it's just going to go poof. And that's what happens in our lives with our individual ministry. Even though our sins are forgiven, all Christians' work will be revealed and reviewed. And we need to understand that. And we need to live our lives in the light of eternity. We need to live our lives in the light of eternity. I mean, when God came to me and, and said, Son, I want you to go into full-time ministry, you know, I could have said no. I, I mean, I was doing great. I was a Christian. I had a good family. had an excellent job. I was, I was respected in the community. And, but God called me out. He called Ann out. Ann had a store downtown called Ann's Accent. Some of you might remember that. She loved that store. But God called, God called her out. I mean, and I don't know, but what if I'd said, no, I, that's not God. That's just that pizza I ate last night. What if I said, I'll rebuke you, devil. You know, I'm not about to be a preacher. But I mean, would this congregation be here this morning? Would this building be here this morning? I led 40 guys to Christ in, in the jail last year. Would they have gotten saved last year? Now, God told me, he said, well, if you don't do it, I'll get somebody else. But would they have done a, a good job? Would they have done a better job? Would they have done a lesser job? Would someone else have answered the call? See, God has a call for you. He has a specific call for you. Now, let me say this before some of y'all uh, wet your pants. Everybody's not called to be a pulpit minister. Every, <laughs> amen, somebody said. Everybody's not called to be a, to be a, a preacher. Uh, I mean, there, there are Christian doctors, there are Christian nurses, there are Christian businessmen, Christian businesswomen, there are Christian construction guys there are, and gals, there are Christian artists. I mean, everyone is placed somewhere to meet the needs of the people in their sphere of influence. Christian mechanics, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads. See, everyone has a call. The people on, on the um, worship team here, some of them would freak out if you ask them to preach. Some of them could do a really good job, okay? And, and if you asked me to play the keyboard, I would freak out. I can play the guitar a little bit, but I sure can't play the keyboard. See, we all have our gifts. We all have our talents, and it's up to say yes to Jesus and then allow the Holy Spirit to help us write our story with him. See, it's not about we have to do something. We just receive the grace to do the job that God has called us to do. Amen? Now, that job can call. I mean, change. See, I was a Christian businessman until I was 45, and then God said, well, I want you to be a preacher. 
And so he, he'll do that. He'll change things at times. So that's the judgment seat of Christ. Well, there's a second judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. And this judgment is for people that do not make Jesus Lord and do not follow him. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. And the earth and the sky fled from his presence. But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead, now notice it's the dead that are judged. See, if you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're alive. You're alive. And you're never going to die. You're just going to change bodies and change locations. Okay? And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recording in the books. The sea gave up its dead. Everybody, the fish ever ate will be there. And death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave, or hell, it says in King James, were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow, that's a sobering scripture in it. And how long will they be there? That's right, forever and ever. And those of us that know Jesus and we know we're saved, how long will we be with him? Forever and ever. That's right. See, telling our story is so important because you tell your story to others, they receive Christ, and they will not be at the great white throne judgment. They will not be standing in fear along with that guy that killed 50 people in Orlando last week. Or Adolf Hitler. Or the poor guy that just never heard. So it's our job to share the gospel. It's our job to share that Jesus loves you. And that Jesus wants to change your life. And, and give you a good life now. Use you in the kingdom of God. And then give you a fantastic eternity. See, there are, and I'm just not going to get real deep into this, but there are degrees of glory in eternity. That's what the verse said in, or the passage said in 1 Corinthians 3, right? There are degrees of glory in eternity, and there are also degrees of depth in hell. So, well, how do you know that, Brother Larry? Well, why else would there be a judgment? If there's not a difference, and there's some other scriptures that there's one that talks about a person that um, that knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, like a you know a person that's never accepted Jesus, they know the right thing to do and they don't do it. It says they're beaten with many stripes, and a person that didn't know, they're beaten with few stripes. 
So that's an analogy to this eternal judgment. So this is, this is somber. This is real. Eternity is real. And we need to live our lives every day in the light of eternity. And I've led hundreds of people to Christ. But I've missed on some. Uh, there was a guy that, that someone asked me to go see him when he was in the Cairo jail, and I, I hesitated. I didn't go. I was busy. And then he got out of jail, and, and he, he went, you know, he, he went home, and, and his sister called me and said, please go see my brother. He's, he's depressed, and he needs to hear the message from God, and I didn't go. And I got word a couple days later that he hung himself, and I didn't go. I've been forgiven for that, but I'll always regret it. Now, maybe someone got to him. Maybe, maybe Jesus spoke to him. I don't know, but, I mean, I didn't do my job. And it's important. I'm, see, I'm not under condemnation because of that. I'm not going to be judged because of that sin. It's been as removed as far as the east is from the west. But it is something that I remember, and it helps me. <clears throat> Some of y'all, you know, I'll talk to you, and I say, so have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? I kind of put you on the spot a little bit. Well, part of that is because I didn't do it with the guy that was in jail. And I should have. I should have. 